You're at the right place. Right place. At the right time. You found the number one podcast. Number one podcast. That entertains that space between your ears. We invite you to relax, pull up a chair, and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. You're listening to... Mouse Capades Podcast. May the 4th be with you. On today's episode, we are joined by special effects artist Ryan Weaver with two Emmy Awards and one, I, ho- I don't even know what this award is, Ryan, you'll have to tell us, uh, VES or V-E-S Award for yeah. his work on Heroes Battleground. Check out our guest on IMDb. He is known for his work on Star Wars, The Force Awakens, RoboCop, Heroes, Smallville, Grey's Anatomy, The Office, 24, The Big Bang, Breakout Kings, Beauty and the Beast, A Dark Tale, which I want to see, <laughs> Parenthood, The Walking Dead, and Boardwalk Empire. I'm just naming a few. The list goes on and on. I don't even think that's half of it, Ryan. That is crazy, my friend. Welcome to the show. Oh, tickled pink to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. Tickled pink, Chuck. You'll have a hard time finding that to Beauty and the Beast, a dark tale, though. That was actually a pilot that we did that was crazy ambitious, but, but as it goes with pilots, wasn't ever picked up and no one will ever see it. Oh. <laughs> That's the nature of the visual effects industry that, that I'm in. Just a tiny, a tiny little anecdote from well, that. Well, it sounds cool. It was cool. It was uh, it was very ambitious. It was tons of big uh, virtual sets and things. You know, when you look at stuff like uh, Once Upon a Time, you know, it's that sort of a thing, but... Uh, just where all the sets, everything's just digital. And, and hopefully you never know if it's done well enough. That's a big part of my usual day job there. Yeah. Outstanding. So Jeff and I are definitely not worthy, buddy. Um, we feel like we have hit the big time with you. I was, just, I was telling Jeff, I'm totally not going to disinfect my microphone. I'm not going to shower for weeks because this is great. Oh. Someone who's tied with the Force Awakens. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's got a few fingerprints on that thing, which is, uh, it feels like coming full circle since I'm sure we're about to talk all about, uh, all about lightsabers and Star Wars and fan films and things of that nature. Hey, Ryan, Jeff here. Hey, thanks again for coming on the show. Now, with all your work on, on, the, on The Force Awakens, have you still been able to be a fan of the movie and, and, a, and a fan of Star Wars still? Oh, of course. Of course. I was a fan working on it. <laughs> And everyone was too. I mean, that was the thing is, uh, is, uh, you know, taking part of creating something like that. There's, uh, you know, everyone's very aware of the, uh, the, um, you know, pressure makes it is such a negative word, but the responsibility and, uh, everybody of course just wants to, all they want to do is step up as much as they can and really make their contribution, no matter how small, uh, you know, really worth it. And JJ was all about that too. So. Well, Ryan, you have a very unique past. Um, you know, I love your fan-based films that you put on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff out there, Ryan versus Dorkman, Ryan versus Brandon, and a whole bunch of others. And I have some stuff that I kind of highlighted that I want to talk to you about with those films. But how did it start for you, my friend? I mean, was it in high school that you, you just found your niche and you're like, hey, I kind of like doing this visual effects stuff. I can I can probably make a career out of this. How did it start for you? That's a that's a pretty succinct uh, and accurate version, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I... I uh... I don't know. I was just always sort of in awe of the uh, the magic of movie making and specifically visual effects. You know, just the sort of uh, putting on putting on film what could never be possible. And um, and so I was I, I got really into it just sort of on my own at home while I'm in high school. I got a computer that I could just start to do stuff on and uh, and got really into it, making a bunch of just you know little clips in my backyard, just tests. You know, and uh, and this is you know well before YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And so I had sort of a, a portfolio website online where I would I would put all these little clips and just sort of continued to teach myself and try to get better. And you know I was on a career path to try to graduate from high school. Uh, I started doing um, some uh, a community college, and then I was going to try to be off to a film school somewhere. But um, uh, there was uh, one particular project that I did that. Uh, 
that you may have heard of that was uh, called Ryan versus Dorkman. And uh, this was made as uh, part of a lightsaber choreography competition. Actually, the, the first year that it was done for a, a website called TheForce.net. And the whole idea was just to, to do a big contest where everybody tries to create the best possible lightsaber fight they can and, and have a little shootout and vote on it and, and pick a winner and, you know, have a, have a fun little thing. And so that's been going for over 10 years now. Um, and uh, I uh, actually have sort of migrated to the core of keeping that, you know, going and uh, helping to organize it, make sure it's uh, um, an ongoing thing. But anyway, so this this lightsaber fight that uh, I got together with my buddy with to make um, sort of uh, kind of went viral before going viral was really a big term. And again, before YouTube and all that kind of stuff and uh, some of the main attention that it got that uh, – um, meant a lot to me was from uh, a guy by the name of Clint Young who worked over at LucasArts, the video games company up in uh, San Rafael, California. And um, I, I say up, I suppose, because I'm living down in, in Los Angeles right now. But at the time, it was it was I was in Northern California. But um, anyway, uh, he reached out and said, "Hey, uh, your work is really cool. A lot, you know, all the all the the stuff you've done on your site it shows a lot of promise." And uh, invited me to interview for the company. Uh, which I did, and uh, it went well enough that they uh, they brought me on over there, and uh, and so I spent uh, about a year with LucasArts uh, on uh, such games as uh, let's see, Knights of the Old Old Republic Two. I did I worked on some of the cutscenes in that that are between the gameplay that you do. My name's in the credits if you if you could beat it. Um, also, uh, Republic Commando and the Episode Three game, which ultimately I think went uh, uh, over to Bioware, uh, where the guys who ended up really producing that, but. Uh, uh, worked on all that kind of stuff. Went to the ranch, uh, bumped into George once or twice. You know, fun stuff. And uh, yeah, and then after that, I, I ended up uh, sort of pursuing more of a, a typical visual effects uh, type uh, angle down uh, down in uh, Los Angeles, uh, trying to get more work into uh, TV and movies and stuff like that. And, Meeting uh, up with George, buddy. Sorry, I don't mean to walk over you here. No, go. That had to be that had to be crazy. For a while, yeah. Go ahead. That had to be crazy. I mean, <laughs> the man hasn't changed over the past thirty some odd years. Uh, what he looked like in the seventies, and probably when you met up with him, he looks the exact same, right? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly how you how you imagine <laughs> wearing exactly what you would imagine the, the flannel shirt and all. Exactly. You know, it's uh, I'll I'll take two minutes to tell you tell you one 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 of those one of those stories if you don't mind because go ahead. The, uh, yeah, the, the the fun part was, uh, you know, once once you can uh, get onto the ranch and you're sort of, you know, b- working at LucasArts and sort of being under the uh, the umbrella, and it wasn't all at the Presidio yet. That was just after uh, when I was working there. And so, um, uh, when you're under the umbrella, there, you know, it's like cool. You can make an appointment to have lunch over at Skywalker Ranch and uh, and go. And you know, you've got somebody with you, and they can you know give you a little tour of stuff. But uh, after that, you know, once you're once you're kind of in, you're in, and you you can left be left to roam around a little bit and sort of just check things out for yourself and take a little stroll and. You know, look at all these priceless artifacts on the walls and interesting stuff like that. And so we were we were bringing uh, another artist who was working on uh, the episode three game with us. Uh, and when he's in town, you know, we're getting some work done. But of course, we're going to go have lunch at the ranch. And so we went over there, and uh, we were just sort of it was one of those moments where we were just walking along, admiring the woodwork and the banisters of the place. You know, it's all very ornate and. Uh, and so George comes around the corner uh, with his clipboard and just see we're all we're all standing staring at the walls and ceiling and stuff like that <laughs> and uh, completely blocking his path, of course. And so uh, he just says, hey, hey, gentlemen. And we're like, oh, hey, and, and part part like the Red Sea for him. And uh, and, th- and then he passed through and just <laughs> we're like, wow, we just look like we were, you know, strolling around the ranch on drugs or something, I'm sure. So that, that had was... to be amazing. And I, I would I'd be speechless as well, buddy. Oh yeah, and he smelled great. <laughs> nice, not like beef and cheese. <laughs> oh no, just a handsome musk. You know. <laughs> See, I would have dorked it up and said, "Hey, were these uh, banisters made out of the wood from Indoor or something like that?" I would have. Oh totally... no, that's that's exactly the wrong direction to go. <laughs> oh, oh, I know, right? <laughs> Dude, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Hey, off Ryan, yeah. it's Jeff again. You mentioned the the video games, which I've uh, I've actually played all those games. Awesome. So I guess I've got I've got you to thank for lowering my college GPA back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, do you are you a gamer yourself? Like, have you gotten a chance to play the uh, the Star Wars Battlefront? 
Mm. Yeah, no, I actually, ironically, I'm not a big gamer, which is sort of funny. Like, wow. sort of, the farther back you go, the more I, I tend to like it. And so, you know, very sort of classic uh, NES, you know, games are kind of where, Great. where, yeah. where I, I start to get into it. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of, of course, this, the, uh, the Star Wars game universe and Battlefront looks, certainly looks spectacular. Um, and I've got uh, a lot of friends who who ran out and got it. Did you get it yourself? What do, what do you think of it? If you yeah, it? I, I did, and and uh, I you know I, not to not to toot my own horn here, but I've I'm, I've got a oh pretty good gosh. I've got a pretty good kill to death ratio. Uh-huh. He's really into it. He got me into it. I'm I'm and by the way, Jeff, he know he remembers who you are. You don't have to keep saying, "Hey, just Jeff again." <laughs> by the way, um, well, I, I had heard that you know it's sort of like once you get past the uh, the impressive immersiveness of it, that then gameplay wise, maybe it's a little lacking. Do, do you think that that's? Uh, do you feel that I, way about? It? I don't. I, I'll let you answer that in just a sec, Jeff. I don't think so. You know, Jeff is usually like Nick. Where are you? And he, he finds me, and I'm like literally staring at the cliffside or the scenery, looking at inside the game, <laughs> the, the, you know, the various maps. And that I was like up, in my coworkers at the ranch. Yeah, I ended up getting shot from behind. I'm like, nope, I'm dead. I'll have to partner start here in a second. He's like, oh, how'd you die? I was staring at the maps. Yeah. Anywho, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, I I love the game, and uh, the yeah, there have been there have been a little few complaints about it, but uh, I get yeah. Well, you know, I guess when you're as good as I am at it, then you you're just oh going to say gosh, nothing dude. but good things about the game. <laughs> dude, he's cool. All right. Keep, keep going. We digress, man. So you're at Luke. You're at the ranch, man. Um, so how long have you, did you spend there? Yeah. Uh, so I was there for uh, a, about a year, just uh, I think a month short or a month over a year. And then it was uh, a time in the in the uh, the company's history where they had got a new president and they were getting ready to move into the presidio with the rest of the you know the whole family, and. Um, and so they basically had a giant downsizing situ- you know, situation where they, they let go about half of the, the entire company, which included me, which was no big surprise because I was you know, very fresh to the place and uh, you know, certainly not you know, high up any uh, totem pole over there. So that was you – know, it, was, it was an honor and a privilege to, to be there as long as I was and, and had a great time and got to, to work on some cool stuff with some, some world-class people. And, uh, and, and then it freed me up to sort of pursue – what my original passion always was, which was more the, um, you know, television and movies and stuff. Mostly movies is sort of the ultimate goal. Working on visual effects for movies. And so, and now I am. Nice. So, Go yeah, ahead. I, Sorry, dude. Yeah, no worries. I, I, uh, so the next chapter is, uh, I, um, I started, uh, you know, applying, throwing my reel and resume out around to all kinds of different places. And one of the, one of the ones that caught on is a place called, uh, uh, Stargate Studios, and it was actually known as Stargate uh, Digital at the time. And to head off your first question, nothing to do with the Stargate movies or television franchise. <laughs> actually, I was Stargate. Going to ask that. Yeah, yeah Stargate. The the, uh, the the company got to it first. Actually, is the story. The owner of the company, Sam Nicholson, was uh, well ahead of the uh, the curve on that. But uh, but they do do all kinds of different uh, television shows. And as you, nothing. I said you just said doo doo. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead, dude. My kids are laughing at this right now, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, as you as you were uh, pointing out, a uh, a brief scroll down my IMDb gives you a sense of the the uh, the scope of different projects that um, that uh, Stargate works on. Because much of that was in my uh, my uh, seven and a half years at that company, wherein I kind of went in as a as a junior artist, uh, just sort of, you know, proving myself in a real working environment, uh, having, you know, only my own chops from, uh, from before. And, uh, and, and then really it was just a huge education and an excellent opportunity to just keep learning and, and working on all kinds of interesting stuff and, uh, kind of worked my way up the ladder there and, you know, started to become a, uh, you know, certainly an intermediate, uh, getting into advanced artist and was working on, Nice projects that were, uh, you know, getting some good notoriety and going off to the Emmys a, a little bit, and uh, and so it was really it was really fortunate to be able to to be around to uh, to work on some of those projects and uh, and contribute to them, you know, to offer something. So when you moved on uh, from you know transition from one career to the next, uh, I guess a lateral move there. Um, did you put on your resume, you know, residence Skywalker Ranch and you know ate lunch with George Lucas? <laughs> Uh, good, good, good stories to share at any time, you know, with with all these folks. And uh, yeah, I did, I did have some lightsabers on my demo reel when I was applying to start getting nice. 
I can so, admit that. Real quick, before we move on, before we get to the movies uh, aspect of it, going back to your Ryan versus Dorkman and Ryan versus Brandon, some things that I want to point out that I absolutely loved that we really didn't see um, in the first, you know, Star Wars films with these Star uh, Wars uh, fan-made films that you put out there, like slicing right through the lightsaber. I just thought that was kind of neat because I hadn't seen that before, and I'm like, well, that's stunning. You know, that special effect, slicing right through the lightsaber and how oh, it, sure. the yeah. edges uh, would glow with the, the hot molten steel. Right, um, right. When you sliced, you know, I think this was on the Ryan versus Brandon, I believe, where your head got sliced in half. <laughs> yes. And, yes, um, and I was Spoiler looking alert. for some brains. Sorry, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so I was looking for some brain material there, but your 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 head got sliced in half. That was pretty amazing. I like that. How did you how did you do that's, that? That's all cauterized, man. You know, see, you know. I mean, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, one of the one of the, one of the the great things about sort of getting stable and working in the industry, I was able to keep doing those little projects and, and moving, moving down here. And, uh, uh, my buddy Brandon flight, uh, is the, uh, my opponent in the, the film you're referencing, uh, Ryan versus Brandon too. We got to do, we did some, some other slightly more ambitious stuff in that one. And, uh, so like, yeah, so fun things like, uh, chopping through stuff, reminding people of the damage of what a lightsaber can do at all, all the time is uh, really, really effective for making you sort of respect the power of the weapon and make it seem scary, you know. So any, any opportunity we could think of that we could work in at, uh, you know, chopping something off or, or slicing something or things like that, remind you that it's a big, hot, crazy thing, uh, the better. And you really but, don't see that. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess with the the later episodes that came out in 2000 and stuff like that, you start to see that. But within episode seven, you really start to see that with Kylo Ren, Ren's lightsaber. Oh, definitely. Um, but you yeah. were putting that out years ago and it was just something different it was something unique and i i really enjoyed watching that and it was you just have to appreciate that right jeff i mean yeah that's right you know i really liked also the in your videos um the use of the sparks uh coming off the lightsabers mm. and, oh yeah, yeah. And the slicing of the metal i thought was was really neat like you didn't really, didn't really see it uh that much before so you know pretty innovative there Thank you. Yeah, and that was a big thing for us. And, and exactly like what you're saying, you know, these are great reactions to hear. I always, I always love to hear it because the, the, that's exactly the reason that we would make these things is to kind of try to try to show what lightsaber fights could be, you know, and not just oh, I had a cool idea for something, but to to try to do the things that we weren't seeing done um, in any other place, including uh, you know the prequels, for example. And yeah. so. Like sparks and and all the interactive stuff, the way that we ended up doing that was, you know, we we did our whole our, our our saber fight, and we did no damage to the location or anything like that. That was very generously offered to us uh, right, for right. for free in Atlanta, Georgia. That's a tortilla factory in Atlanta, Georgia. A tortilla factory. Yes, that we'd shoot at in, in the nights. We'd wait until the the workers would you know go home, and it was just the skeleton night shift, and then we'd we'd move in and and just shoot our stuff. You know, you know, practically no lights at all or anything like that. And then you know, when morning came and people started showing up, then we'd we'd vacate, you know, and, and uh, spend about a week uh, shooting it. But uh, but none of the none of the uh, pyrotechnics that you see in in uh, in Ryan versus Dorkman two. Uh, or uh, were actually done on set. We we went and then once we had edited the whole thing and knew exactly what we were doing, then we went and had a whole different pyrotechnic shoot where we went into a room where everything was black and sort of fireproof. And if we had a close-up shot of a box getting cut, we'd actually like recreate the box and painted black and then set the camera up exactly how it was and then set up these real you know little explosive bits and you know powders and stuff with uh, a guy named Bob Forward who runs a, a website called Detonation Films, and uh, and so he's done. All kinds of stuff like that and sells stock elements on black and so we were like hey let's let's work together and actually make specifically let's craft some elements just for the the gags that we had done and so it was great because we got to really customize it to exactly what we were doing so we really tried to put a lot of effort and attention into all the all the fun little details of uh you know dragging dragging the saber through the puddle and then you know having the steam element come off of it like it's vaporizing the water or um you know, uh, when a uh, uh, dork man getting stabbed in the shoulder at the end of the thing, you know, we have uh, little custom fire elements of like cloth burning and stuff like that. We really try to tie those things together and really step up the effects and, and, and do things we haven't seen before. So. Yeah. Spe speaking of that, like one of the things I remembered, because I've been a f I've actually been a fan of your of your videos for a while now, and I remember when I was watching The Force Awakens for the first time, and in in the in the forest when when Finn has that blue lightsaber reflection off of his face. Oh yeah. I actually remember like having a, a bit of a flashback to your video because I remember you 
uh, holding up your blue lightsaber and seeing that reflected on your face. And I don't re- really remember seeing that before either. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, I was really, you know, they had uh, in uh, uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones. You know, they have the bit where they uh, uh, Anakin is fighting um, uh, Count Dooku and, uh, you know, they cut a pipe and the lights go out. And then there's this little bit where it's all these these close up shots on their faces right. and they're swinging the tubes around and it's kind of a lighting thing. And then yes. it's, yeah, it's and the over in going 10 back seconds. and forth. Yeah, right. So it was this cool kind of, you know, visual tone poem thing, as, as George would call it, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, what you really are always imagining in your head is that the Sabres are just always throwing this this really cool light. It's this big interactive thing. And, and uh, you know, a lot like what, uh, um, you know, I think of like the Gennady Tartakovsky cartoon uh, Star Wars that he that he had done. And they did some really cool stuff in the dark with those because it's animated. They could do anything. You know, I, I thought The Force Awakens really, really did a great job with all that stuff because, uh, number one, they use those light casting props, and which is just, you know, gives a great look to the whole thing. And, you know, even from the first trailer when, when, you know, they started to show that stuff, I was like, yes, I'm just like so excited about, uh, cause they put the teaser out before I was working on the thing. I had no idea that I was going to. And oh, wow. so when the first, there was just, just a glimmer of that, that, uh, you know, the Kylo Ren shot where he turns it on and you can see some light on it. I'm like, oh, I think they're, I think they're actually doing light casting props this time. That's great. And, That's awesome. Now, and I, yeah. and I and I also remember, um, I thought I remember hearing somewhere that that J.J. Abrams or someone had the idea of using real sparks when they filmed it, when they were filming the lightsaber battles. Had you heard that too? Just so the actors would would have a real reaction to the sparks flying off the sabers. Oh yeah, I, he was all about that. Anything that could be done for real, you know, pretty much was. And you know, while of course there are a lot of, um, you know, not all of it is going to be real. I think I think they ended up doing a lot of it uh, uh, on set for them, and as far as some of those. Right. Our technique things. I don't know, uh, you know, for right. sure. But, uh, right. Very cool, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a great job. You know, they did lots of damage to things, cutting stuff up. You know, you always like seeing that in your lightsaber fights, you know, lots of movement and, you know, <laughs> very big iconic moments, you know, as JJ is very good at. So. Something that was pretty cool and unique in, in one of your fan based films, you know, you had, I forget which uh, YouTube clip it was, uh, one of your fights where you have the lightsaber, or the two individuals are using the force trying to, I guess, uh, grab the lightsaber and draw it to them, and that lightsaber is struggling between the two. Trying, you know, who is it going to go to? Right, uh, in midair. Yeah. yeah, the uh. tug of war. Thank you. Um, right. Sweet scene, by the way, on actually what happened. But that it was been, great. Yeah, it would have been, you know, <laughs> watching um, that immediately. You know, Jeff and I thought about Force Awakens and the snow fight, you know, in the forest on that set, and the lightsaber going to Ray. And Kylo Ren kind of looking at the lightsaber like, holy crap, that just went to Ray. Wasn't expecting that. Almost as if he thought it was going to go to him for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. it would have been kind of cool if there was some a, a, a struggle, a little tug of war between those two with that kind of implementing what we saw in one of your films. That would have been sweet. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a there's a lot of room for the force being used sort of as a as a physical tool like it is in the prequels. You know, it's like a hammer. It's just like, oh, I need that thing here. Or, uh, you know, Darth Maul points at a box and points at the wall. And the box hits the wall, you know, that kind of stuff. And then sure. there's a whole there, I think there's a lot to explore there. I think the moment that they did, though, was was it, it, it does exactly what it was designed to do, which is, you know, you've got you've got uh, uh, Kylo Ren. They're reaching for it and so it starts to wiggle. And it's the exact same thing from Empire Strikes Back, of course, is getting the yeah, the, getting out of the snow. And then you, so you think he's about to get it and then it goes past it to Ray. And then it's it's the big moment. Yay. And, right. uh and so, you know, having having a struggle after that sort of doesn't let you go right into the realization that she because what it's, what that's saying is that she's strong enough to have just done that. We've never quite seen her use the force quite so explicitly like that before. So it it carries a lot of meaning, you know, meaning and emotional weight in that moment. So I, I like I like the way they did. I think that's one of the best moments in the whole movie, personally. So we got to ask you and I hope we're not stepping on your toes here because. Jeff and I have asked everyone in our building this question. And I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to let you ask, Jeff. Why don't you go ahead? You, I'm ready. You know, Hit me. We've seen, we've, seen the, we've seen this film, geez, I don't know, minimum, we're dorks, Ryan, like 10, maybe 12 times in the theater with a different mindset each time going in to watch it mm-hmm. as to. Sure. Yeah. All right, Ryan, who do you think Ray's parents are? Oh. The oh. question. The if question. you can't answer it. That's fine. Well, I don't know anything you don't. That's for sure. Okay. There's nothing. There's nothing there. No, no NDA issue on that one. We're all just fans speculating here about this. Great. Um, but you know what's interesting about it is it seems it seems so clearly 
you know, she's mirroring and paralleling Luke. Right, so right. Much, you know, and, and uh, thought of, you know, Im- imagined in that way, of course, the ending has a whole sort of second layer impact to it, which, you know, I think, uh, you know, Mark Hamill's performance, you know, kind of leans into in, in a certain sense. And so, you know, on the one hand, it's it it, it seems almost too obvious. you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I completely agree. But uh, I don't know, man, you know, these these, you know, when I think about how J.J. designs, you know, twists and mystery and stuff, you know, it's the sort of thing where I, I really wouldn't put it past him that it's going to be Luke. Um, and at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the most outfield thing you could ever have, you know, it's Obi-Wan or something, you know, like, well, that was know, my goes. theory, you know, that, that I, I said, there's, there's so much overwhelming evidence that it, that it is Luke's daughter, but you can also make the same argument, I think for Han. So you could go anywhere really, Ryan, but um, it is very omen, uh, overwhelmingly. I, I feel the evidence is there for Luke, but I threw out Obi-Wan to Jeff a while back and he looked at me like I was freaking crazy, but I'm like, you know, I, I know Ray's accent was just, I, probably just left alone because i don't know or maybe it wasn't who knows Mm -hmm. uh jj could have went in any direction but you know in the star wars universe there's only like a handful of individuals that have that type of accent so i was kind of just going there just it was just throwing an idea on the wall and uh he jeff looked at me like i was freaking nuts but i'm like "Eh, it could be a possibility you never know yeah and i I think the best the best theory we've had from our students was was the chewbacca theory (laughs) chewbacca Oh, well, that's a uh-huh. Harry Ray, if that's... <laughs> oh, then you know who the mother is, too, because that would, it would have to be Maz. <laughs> right, it would be. I like that Wookiee. <laughs> that's, a gro- that's a groundbreaking theory, I think. We need to add that to the list. I, I didn't think, think I about think that, Maz, it. as her mother. Oh, my God. I even think I heard Ray in the basement, you know, downstairs, underneath uh, her little castle, call, call Maz mom. Yeah, you know, you know. Well, I don't know about I'm that. I'm joking. I'm joking. There you go. No, that that's funny. Like, I we got ahead of ourselves with Star Wars here, though. But I kind of want to piggyback and go back to some of your movies because oh, Ryan, you yeah. have worked on a lot of cool stuff. I mean, we're talking The Office, Black Sales. Uh, you mentioned Fringe, right? Uh, no, I oh, didn't. Not pers- Fringe. Not Fringe. No. Um, oh, jeez, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, with the holographics and stuff like that on that series. Oh. Um, Anywho, uh, never yeah. mind. Forget it. <laughs> right. I, I obviously have no idea what I'm talking about, but let's get into some of these movies uh, that you've worked on, my friend. Uh, sure. Yes. You can. Um, let's see. Gosh, where to where to begin? I mean, I think if you have any highlights that attract your interest in particular, I'm I'm happy to share any anecdotes I might have. But uh, it's an interesting jumble. I mean, just sort of to preface it slightly is. Uh, um, I worked at uh, uh, Stargate Studios here for you know for quite a few years, and um, and then uh, at a certain point I was kind of like you know there wasn't a lot of feature film work, and so um, my sort of ambitions led me to go freelance, and so since then I've been going from uh, you know a, a few months here, a few weeks there, all places all over town working on all kinds of different projects, and so at a certain point after a certain date, a lot of stuff kind of smears together now I, I remember it all quite well but it's uh there's not okay. exactly the same sort of and, and um, i apologize there. for going backwards here in the conversation but i just feel like no, we no, missed no. a huge component of, of a lot of the stuff that you worked on like you know like the office what did you work on like black sales uh boardwalk empire the walking dead how did you have a hand mm-hmm. in that I'll take that last one. The Walking Dead is, is sort of an interesting one. Uh, you know, I think people are kind of aware that there's there's lots of visual effects done on it, but uh, I'm sure they're not quite aware of just just how much it, it often is. And you know, there's all the invisible things, just you know, uh, you know the the um, post apocalyptic vistas you'd overlook on, on a show like that, and, and then down to a lot of other interesting uh, things with uh, the zombies. Like uh, one of the one of the fun uh, claims to fame that I have is. Uh, in the in the pilot, you know, there's uh, there's this bit where there's a zombie and it's a it's this it's this girl and she's dragging herself along in the grass and she her lower half has been torn off somehow at some point probably other zombies right. I would assume and so the, that's that's a, a little sequence that I did and so I was removing her legs from that and then putting in you know uh, guts and viscera that a 3D department had made yeah are you talking are you talking about the zombie wasn't that from like one of the very first seasons maybe even the first season yeah it was, it was the first episode of the show if I'm yeah she, that's an iconic zombie that's that's a very famous zombie that's great yeah exactly and so and that's a that's a very sort of critically 
uh, integrated visual effects thing with with the special effects on set, you know, making all the prosthetics, uh, you know, with that, and then also the digital side, which is doing what you could, what, what there's no way to do on set, which is remove the bottom half of a person and replace it with something else. And so there's lots of lots of things like that. I think um, probably one of the, one of the other big shows that I had uh, that I contributed the most to was probably uh, Heroes. And um, and that was one that I worked on almost every episode of the whole show, and uh, in its entire uh, run. And um, and that was a fun one because you know you've got all these superpowers that they have, and so in a lot of cases it was about it was about designing the look of that thing and then carrying it forward. So a lot of a lot of artists would get to you know sort of design a look, and then they'd be the ones to continue doing that as it happened you know on throughout the series. And so. Um, some of the stuff that I uh, developed was uh, um, the uh, invisibility effect um, that comes into play later into sort of season one and uh, uh, electricity, which is sort of Kristen Bell's character sort of introduces that in uh, I think the second or third season. And uh, like blue fire hands was one that I always did. And so it was, it was fun to have this sort of collection of, you know, developing these looks, you know. And, uh, and and getting to, to keep doing them as they go through the show and sort of try to invent new ways of using them and all that kind of stuff. And so that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. You know, that show was was lots of lots of big in your face, you know, fun, almost Marvel style, you know, kind of uh, uh, visual effects every week. What, what kind of stuff did you do with Black Sails? Uh, Black Sails is interesting. You know, they um, they went out and uh, they've got the budget to just build a giant lake in the middle of uh, oh gosh I don't remember where they where they filmed the show I, I don't think it's I, I think it's uh, certainly another continent um, but uh, you know and so whenever you're out there on these boats and stuff you know most of the time it's 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 a boat on a on a little lake and so most of everything else is sort of replicating out you know the ocean as far as the eye can see or the land that you might see there or in many cases other boats you know there's uh, uh, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of the time it's just you know you'll have all these other ships out there and it's all just part of a big immersive map pinning environment and you know cities that they go to and stuff you know they build a little bit of it but it ends up being a thing that uh, a lot of it would have to be um, extended and, and and replicated further uh, going out and so it's really oftentimes adding a lot of scope um, to this stuff and sort of picking up where the uh, um, the production design leaves off you know if they can't they can't build an entire city but they can build lots of it that you can set a scene in and then we take the rest out to make it believable at the scope that they're they're really trying to go for and that's a fun you know that uh, deep cable stuff I think it's the stars is uh, um, is black sales you know they they're they're a little more in the direction of like what movies do in terms of time and budget and so they really get to um, get down into the nitty-gritty of the details of that stuff it's not kind of rushed through like a lot of episodic television is they really spend a lot of time uh, getting it right over there really trying to keep the uh, the quality high so that, that was an interesting one to work on I did that was at um, Crazy Horse uh, effects is the studio that I, I did some shots for that on Ryan are you doing any work on the upcoming Rogue One uh, uh, I uh, not as far as I know is is the, is the best answer I can give. You know, I didn't know I was going to be working on uh, episode seven until right. you know, just just before the opportunity presented itself. I don't have any sort of um, unique or uh, privileged in uh, to the whole thing. It was uh, um, the the way I sort of came into working on episode seven was was uh, interestingly enough, you know, nothing to do with any of the fan film work that I had done, all these lightsaber fights and, you know, sort of the geek cred didn't really, uh, there, there was not really much of a cash value exchange right there for uh, coming into the new place. It was really just sort of, I I approached a Bad Robot in Santa Monica as just a regular visual effects artist, just doing my thing. Here's my reel, here's my work. I, I didn't have uh, <laughs> any lightsabers on it specifically. Um, but, uh, you know, just sort of landed the job there, just doing work like any old schmo. And, um, yeah, so that, that was, uh, uh, yeah, obviously there's, there's a whole world. I think I I was just leading off on a tangent from something that you asked, uh, but, uh, way to go, Jeff. (laughs) I'm good at that. (laughs) No, that's all me. That's all me. I I get rolling. Well, at least he didn't say, Hey, Ryan, this is Jeff. That's true. I, I did. I did stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's fast forward then. And uh, Force Awakens is done. Uh, you had a hand in that. I'm sure you got to gather all your friends and family and hang out and go watch the film for the first time. Maybe with the company. Maybe you invited some people. Where was that? I know that probably took place for you, right? 
Um, yeah, sort of. You know, a lot of my family is uh, up in Northern California, and I'm I'm down here in the Los Angeles uh, region, and so uh, it uh, you know having been lucky enough to actually contribute something to it, I, I managed to get to go to one of the the cast and crew sort of uh, screenings, which was not. One of the huge ones where you'd have your your your, your Daisy Ridley and John Boyega is there, but uh, it was there was plenty of other folks who you know we all worked on it together, and so it was a big a big celebration. Um, you know, of, where, where of was it? Uh, that was at the El Capitan uh, Theater, which is sort of a you know a big. Um, uh, let's see what, what what's the word I'm looking for. You know, like the Chinese theater. It's just right, down the right. street. It's a landmark. It's a landmark thing. So um, it's a, is it on Hollywood Boulevard? Right there, down. Uh, it is. It okay. is exactly. It's right next to where uh, I guess uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, does okay. this show every night. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it's great, and it's also supposedly one of the uh, you know one of the top theaters in the world for the presentation of uh, of 3D. They've got these laser projectors in there. It's 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 some kind of a twin laser projected thing, and they both converge, and so it's like you know super. It's supposed to be much brighter than uh, all the other ones, and. And uh, so that and, you know, the sound is supposed to be really good. But it's, it's an interesting theater because it's not really designed with acoustics in mind. It feels more like a sort of uh, a stage theater with a lot of, you know, sort of elegant design and shapes to the whole room. It's got a balcony like, a, you know, an opera house and things like that. But uh, then it was sort of retrofitted into a movie theater. And so it, 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 it doesn't quite have the same sound presentation that you'd expect from a modern theater that's designed where all the walls are soft and it's stadium seating of cloth chairs and everything. You know, it's really sort of built with all of that in mind. And so, in in, in certain respects, it's it's uh, it's it's more the charm of the theater than the the technical experience uh, of it. But uh, it had to be pretty neat, though, sitting there with your coworkers. Your, I mean, they're probably family as well. You're spending probably many hours uh, throughout the night working with them. I would assume. To finally watch the film, maybe I don't know, maybe not. I uh, watching yeah. the watching the film and then to finally see it and be like, oh yeah, you worked on that. All right, I had a hand in that. That had to be pretty neat. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was certainly something. And uh, I was I was sitting there watching it, you know, uh, for the first time. And uh, I it was uh, because it was at a at this uh, uh, a casting crew event. It was it was mostly coworkers around and uh, and my wife, of course, and. Um, it's uh, it, it was actually much more of an anxiety attack, is, is how I would describe it, because, um, you know, it, it's it's such a it's such a such a big deal. It's, it's something to have to have been a part of, you know. And so, I you know, I was enjoying it and everything, and you know, having worked on it, I was quite familiar with the movie by that point. And so I, I wasn't exactly um, experiencing the surprises the way that that America would be, you know, just uh, a couple of days later. And I was, that's what I was really excited about is seeing everyone else's reaction to it, you know, but, uh, it was, you know, we would come around to uh, our sequences and I was just sort of sinking in the chair and looking through my fingers and, and just sort of like, Oh man, you know, it, all I could think about was, you know, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised how, how close to that release date, you know, a lot of, a lot of work was, um, was still being done, not in a way that it was behind schedule necessarily, but you know they really take advantage of all the time they have on something like this, trying to get all the little details right, you know. And so it was, it felt like really not that long ago that we were still making decisions <laughs> and trying to get renders out and everything. Yeah, it's, and then, it's and almost a nod. There. It's almost a nod all the way back to A New Hope when when George Lucas was was full of anxiety when it came out and he saw all the lines at the theaters and kept thinking to himself like it's it's not done yet, it's not polished. Right, of course. Yeah, you know, a film is never finished; it's only released. So, like, I think that's uh, that's a that's a quote all about art in general. You know, it's never. Can you talk about specifics, by the way, or or, or not with exactly what you had a hand in? I think I think I I, I can give a little bird's eye view. So. I, uh, I got it. Yeah, I, I, I started working there and uh, and sort of uh, initially began on just the this and that of, of what uh, they're picking up over at Bad Robot. And so it was sort of an interesting little uh, eclectic collection of, of low level tasks that need to happen, things that probably most people aren't generally aware of. Or in the case of, like, for example, uh, uh, BBA rig removals, uh, you know, things that you you don't notice when you're watching it, but. You know, you look at the behind the scenes and you're like, oh, I, I, I guess there was a lot of visual effects going on there to remove this this <laughs> you know, gentleman in a green jumpsuit with a large apparatus the size of a bicycle going into the back of BB-8 for pushing for a it lot forward. Of yeah, OK. Yeah. So so there's a lot there's a lot of work that that happens there. And um, so you work but, uh, with, uh, I guess, kind of 
painting out of the picture, the puppeteer. Uh, yeah, so there's plenty of that that has to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. That's cool. So yeah, and again, I'll, I'll refer you. Just go ahead and you know pick up the Blu-ray and uh, and check it out. And you know you can see a lot. They actually show a lot of great stuff. They, they in the there's a BB-8 um, behind the scenes piece that's uh, I think it's in the Target one. Um, and maybe others, hopefully others. I mean, gee, I, I hate how they spread around extras like that. It's so annoying. But, uh, but yeah, find behind the scenes on BB-8, and you'll see that they have um, a lot of interesting different techniques of puppeting him, and all of which have their own different needs in, in getting him painted out. Because, you know, removing stuff like that, that's no big deal anymore. You know, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a, you know, it, it's really not a hindrance on how it's shot. It's sort of just, okay, just imagine that stuff's not there and get the shot that you want, you know. And then all that can happen as a visual effects thing later. So, so yeah, I did some of those. Um, and then uh, m- most of my time, most of my efforts actually ended up being uh, on uh, as part of a, a team led by uh, Mr. Andrew Kramer, who's uh, sort of a uh, well-known character online for uh, having a videocopilot.net. And he has lots of interesting, helpful visual effects tutorials and element packages and things like that for lots of aspiring kids who are interested in doing what I'm doing, which is, um, you know, visual effects work. Um, and so he's also a, a very good artist <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, had got himself, uh, a nice seat over at uh, bad robot doing this and that, which, uh, in, in this case, I can't get into too much detail, but was, um, graphics and holograms were some of the things that we were really focusing on. And so you can, so you can, Close your eyes and recall back to you know scenes of like uh, you know the um, uh, the looking at uh, BB-8's map on the Falcon you know and uh, all the holograms around them of the star map with the the, the path to Luke or uh, toward the end of the movie you know R2 wakes up and and shines his galaxy out and, and BB-8 plugs that in or um, you know when they're starting to plan their attack on the uh, the, the Death Star oh excuse me the Star Killer base and uh, you know they have the whole sort of replay of the uh, you know, the Return of the Jedi scene with the big green uh, ball in the middle and so stuff like that. We got to uh, play around in and, and put our uh, put our little fingerprints on the uh, on the movie. And JJ was very, uh, very fun and uh, and easy to work with. And it's just make it make it cool. Make it cool, man. He was just everybody was really there's such an interesting sort of ambiance of calm to it. Whenever we would see uh, Roger Guy at the visual effects supervisor or JJ, he's just always in a. You know, pretty chill mood. Maybe, maybe we were not. Maybe we were the least of his concerns that day for everything else that was going on to get the movie finished. I don't know, but uh, he uh, he was uh, always seemed uh, quite happy about getting the work done and just how can we how can we make it better? What are ideas that you have? You know, it's a very very fun and open process. So, well, you've been very blessed, my friend. You've accomplished quite a bit, um, only being in your thirties. And did you ever imagine, uh, you know? At a young age in high school, just coming out and, you know, just tooling around <laughs> with YouTube stuff and, and doing your own stuff, that it would come this far. Oh, no way. <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, you know, I've always sort of been evaluating my career path as a, as a sort of thing where it's like, well, eventually I'll get to a point where I'm good enough that I can work on the next Star Wars or the, or the next, uh, you know, Harry Potter, if they were still going, or the next Transformers, you know, all these sort of top tier, you know, tentpole summer blockbuster movies. I'm like, so if I could, you know, I look forward to when I can get to the level where I can do something like that. And uh, I still thought I was years away, you know, but uh, um, but uh, then this opportunity came up and I seized it and uh, and got in there. So I never I never anticipated it, actually. And I was quite skeptical. As, even as I was interviewing, I'm like, well, we'll see. I don't know if they'll want me you know but uh it was great well it's pretty cool my friend what would you uh wrapping up here you know we have a lot of young listeners that listen to the show you know from our school what would you Mm -hmm. say to them and i'm kind of i know i'm catching you off guard here uh because i didn't tell you this earlier but what what would you say to them you know something that maybe if they want to get into your field or or whatever it may be working hard in school and then you know getting what you want what kind of a message would you have to say uh to those individuals well, the good news about that is that it's easier than ever. You know, uh, the world the world is changing and uh, generally in, in good directions. Um, and, uh, and so it's it's nice that uh, you know the the 
the technical side of things uh, is is getting more and more sort of affordable and approachable than ever. So you know it's it's quite possible now to to, to get your own camera, even as a kid, and uh, and have a computer with uh, with software where you can start to tinker around with uh, you know visual effects and editing and filmmaking in general, just as a as a as a whole exercise and a set of. Um, you know, of, of, of processes that are, that are really interesting and, and at least were compelling to me <laughs> to, to learn. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds like a hollow advice, but just, uh, uh, the get out there and do it and, uh, and check it out and, and see, see what's possible for you and, and discover how, how easy or how hard a lot of these things are. I think most people, if they, especially younger kids, when they start trying to get into visual effects, and I'm sure it's true of many other disciplines, um, but uh, they they sort of discover how much work it really is, and then it's sort of oh well, you know that's that's discouraging, and there are lots of other things that could be fun to do. But you know, again, as with I'm sure many disciplines, you know, uh, if you can if you can push through and and really try to you know stay on yourself about um, uh, about trying to get something done, you know, get it get it completed, you know, complete what you set out to do, and and then try to do something even a little better next time. Literally repeating that process is is pretty much all I've ever done. Is just try to try to do better this time than what I did last time. And making these, be it making these lightsaber fights, and every time try to bring something new to the table, try to do something you know someone hasn't seen before, or just in in my uh, my general career path here, just trying to sort of do other newer, more ambitious, more interesting things that I haven't done before, and keep trying to uh, to grow as an artist. And so that's I think what I would say. Well, I know a lot of kiddos would love uh, to do what you do. You know, even in first grade, Ryan. You know, these kids are six years old, and they're using oh, sure. they're using iMovie on you know the the iPad. And we have an area called the Learning Commons in our school, and they have a, a huge green screen where the kids can go and develop a whole bunch of stuff for certain projects they're working on. And oh, that's uh, great. That's, would do that's some. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it is pretty neat. You know, uh, the lady who's uh, basically purchased all the stuff for our school has gone above and beyond to make sure that. We have a we have a school about a thousand kiddos, um, you know, just elementary side of the house that is, and they have. You're right; it has become easy nowadays, and these kids can get these tablets and just download these apps to implement these special effects and combine it with a green screen, and you can develop your own little short movie. You know, it's it's pretty cool, and we see it at six years old. Oh yeah, no kids are kids are amazing. Yeah, I mean just at the ages that they can they will grab a mouse and look at a screen and, and put that together and and start operating software. It's uh, it's really impressive. Especially all the I'm really interested to see what it's going to be like when all these kids who grew up with iPads being a thing are are adults and where technology will go there. I'll yeah, throw out a sort be- of a, a a second answer to to the to the question just because you made me think of it. You know. Here I am, Mister Mister Lightsaber Fight Guy. But uh, that's actually it's it's a great place to start if if uh, if if kids are interested in uh, you know who doesn't want to see themselves with a lightsaber. And so it's 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 very straightforward from that perspective. But it really is a good sort of way of 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 introducing you to a lot of the basics of visual effects with a very um, you know straightforward type of effect that's very rewarding, even if you only get three seconds of it done. You know. <laughs> Because it, it does involve, you know, tracing stuff out frame by frame. It takes some, it's a little tedious. It takes some patience. But then then you get rewarded with having a little YouTube clip of yourself with a lightsaber. It's a great place to start. And there are lots of tutorials online. That's that's another thing that's gotten much better over the years. So. Yeah, these kids are already a leg up on us from when we were kids. So you better watch out. I mean, they might be coming after your job someday, Ryan. Good. I hope so. They should <laughs> yeah. be They Good. should be better well, we than me. This, yeah. uh, recording, uh, Ryan. I went ahead and just, you know, plugged in your name online. And a lot of stuff popped up, you know. Just various things that you've worked on, but one thing that I that I found that was a uh, pretty unique, pretty pretty neat, you know, is the sabershop.com. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yes, indeed. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you know, doing these lightsaber fan film projects, uh, one of the one of the questions that I would get all the time is, hey, where did you get those those props, those those lightsabers? You know, those aren't just the toys. You know, what are you using? Because you know, you're clearly really fighting with them, and they're not you know, breaking and stuff like that. And so, um, it, it became a, a bit of a thing. And, and the answer to that in the, uh, in the early projects is that, uh, I had access to a machine shop, um, that was at the, uh, the workplace of my father. And, uh, and, and so they were actually sort of hand machine. So those are, those are custom little metal jobs there that, uh, either, either my, my 
father had done for the first, uh, for the Ryan vs. Stork Manor that I had done later. And so uh, I then later managed to sort of take that idea and run with it into a little bit of a business. And so uh, sabershop.com, if you if you go there and check that out, it's uh, where I'm I'm hawking some, uh, you know, fairly expensive. These are these are definitely above the price point of toys, uh, but they are very high quality uh, saber props. I'm careful to say saber, not lightsaber, just, you know, to keep things clear. Um, but uh, with uh, carbon fiber blades that are, uh, uh, you know, manufactured in New Zealand by the same place that uh, made them for uh, episode three. Uh, it's all crafted out of aluminum. I've, you know, it's easy to change the blades out. I kind of just took a lot of the thought and everything that I had learned from having to use saber props in these fight scenes and sort of designed the uh, the, the super saber <laughs> that I would want to have and kind of turned that into a, a product. And so I've been selling that for a few years and it's been um, getting a lot of attention and especially the folks who are into uh, doing lightsaber fights themselves uh, are really into it. And they're, they're, I'll, I'll plug one other brief thing while we're here too, which is that there's uh, something called the lightsaber choreography competition that is you know what we made uh, the original ryan versus dork man for that's still going every year and so that's a uh, you know if you're interested in picking up a saber and making a, a little fan project of your own uh that's a that's definitely a cool thing to check out at that's at uh, sabercomp.com as, as short for a saber competition and uh if you check that out you know, Star Wars Day is coming up, May May the May the fourth, and uh, there's going to be a little announcement on uh, SaberComp.com, just some of the uh, info for the upcoming year. Um, so if you're interested in that, I would uh, advise you to check it out. It's uh, it can be a lot of fun and uh, educational for just general, you know, uh, filmmaking type stuff. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on the show, buddy. We really do appreciate it. Uh, listeners, if you have an idea, question, or want to be a guest on our show, just contact us anytime. You can email us at uh, mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or text us 407-674-0414. I think it's about that time, Jeff. Have a magical day.
Mouse Repeat Power Pack.